0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leeford. Welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. Well, in today's podcast, I am so excited to talk more about how to help your children manage their mental health. As we know, there's a pandemic in mental health issues. We know that mental health challenges are on the rise. There's an increase in suicides. It's really scary and it's, and it's frightening, but it doesn't have to be. It's a real problem, but there is a way of managing it. And as I mentioned in my previous podcast, and I encourage you to listen to all the series that I'm doing on how to help children manage their mental health. As I mentioned in my previous podcast, a large part of the reason why we have this increase is, sure, due to technology and the changes that really shifted around 2010 in terms of social media and so on. But the other big factor that's not spoken about enough and that I speak about extensively is the fact that the last 30, 40 years, things, the way that we manage our mind – and the way that we help our children manage their mind has changed radically from a contextualized managing of a helping a child understand why they're going what they're going through, giving them the tools to talk about their story and what's going on and helping them process it. That's been kind of pushed aside in favor of if your child has a any of these anxiety or depression or behavioral problems or learning problems, it's like off to the doctor look at the symptoms, diagnose as though there's a brain disease label and very often standard of care is Medicaid. And this has made things worse. The research is there. It's out. If this worked, things would have got better. It hasn't worked because things have got worse. We can't reduce ourselves down to a brain because we are very complex humans. Our children are complex humans in a complex world. And we cannot separate out the impact of community and the world on ourselves. And therefore, managing our mental health, and this is what I talk about a lot, cleaning up your own mental mess, is so important to follow up with helping your child manage their mental mess. So my new book coming out in August 8th this year, I'm so excited about, is how to help your child clean up their mental mess. And then the rest, the subtitle is A Guide to Building Resilience and Managing Mental Health. You can teach a child as young as two how to manage their mental health. You can teach your child as young as two to understand that anxiety and depression are not bad, that those are information, they signal they're telling you something. And that's what this book is going to give you the tools to do. It's based on my five scientific steps of the neurocycle, years of clinical experience, 38 years of research, 25 years of clinical experience, and I'm a parent myself of four children. We reach millions now with my platform. So this is what you've been waiting for. People have been asking me questions for years. How do I help my children with their mental health? In my practice, the majority, a large part of my practice was helping children to manage their mental health through various issues, including all kinds of things from trauma to traumatic brain injury to learning disabilities and so on. In this book, I cover so many aspects, identity, social issues, trauma, all kinds of stuff. In this series of podcasts, I'm going to be unpacking unpacking certain elements from this book and taking them into a little bit more detail and you can find out more about the book. But you can pre-order this book now and get your hands on this book. You can go to mentallyresilientkids.com and you can pre-order there. The link is in the show notes. And you will see that there's all kinds of pre-order bonuses, including a great discount on, and you can see this little toy that fell over, Brainy. Brainy is a little superhero character that I created many years ago and then we had updated and reillustrated. and we've even made a toy about this, a little toy out of Brainy. Throughout the book, you will see the Brainy character and this helps your child walk through the mental health journey so they have a point of contact. There's even a coloring book. Colour with Brainy and friends, all kinds of different scenarios that the child can then, like if they're frustrated, there's a picture of frustration, they can colour that in. And then there's a blank page where they can do more drawings or you can write things on or you can use it to communicate. There's, I mean, there's a whole lot of different scenarios. And this, for example, here, hopeless, Brainy, looking at over his shoulder with dark clouds behind him. I feel like these bad feelings will never go away, you know, and, and this becomes, they can colour it in, they can talk about this, this can become something that you can share We it's a we want to give our children hope and the message that it's not something wrong with you it's that life has impacted you and I recognise that I validate that and I'm here to help you listen to that and help you to manage this situation. So if you go and pre-order now at mentallyresilient.com, you can also get books wherever books um, Amazon wherever you order books. The pre-order bonus includes all kinds of great stuff. Besides getting the book, you'll get a huge discount on Brainy and the coloring book, and there's also a free webinar on how to help your child deal with the anxiety of going back to school, and anticipation of you know first days and new things. So there's and there's other peer order bonuses as well. So I am really, this is so important. Uh, we we have to help our children. We have to we have to know how to manage this ourselves as well. So you'll see a large part of what I help in in, the, in this book is I encourage parents, This and it starts with you and what you do and you modeling and being open and using the NeuroCycle openly for your child is really helpful. So last week I spoke about creating a NeuroCycle or mind management space in your house, being very deliberate and intentional, creating a beautiful space with a little bench and little cushions and brainy and a coloring book and coloring pencils and notepads that you can write in and some toys and you know keeping it there keeping it a beautiful space and that becomes the area that you manage your mental health yeah obviously you manage your mental health out of that area but when you specifically need to deliberately and intentionally work through something that's worrying you when there's a pattern or something happening or something happened in the day came home from school and chaos reigned at school and you were teased at school and whatever and you come home and your child's really upset that's the space that they can go to You could even, as I mentioned in the previous podcast too, you could paint the wall with like, blackboard paint or have a whiteboard up and there can be also a part where they can then write and draw because included in the neurocycle is the write, draw play in act step as well. Did you know that we all have zombie cells in our body? Yes, this is not a script for a horror movie. Senescent cells, also known as zombie cells, are old, worn out cells no longer serving a useful function for our health. Thankfully, there are ways we can actually combat the effect that these zombie cells have on us, including using senolytic ingredients that are science-backed to support our body's elimination of these cells. And our sponsor, Neurohacker, packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into one formula called Qualia Senolytic, and you can take it just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits, for, and a much better aging process mentally and physically. For help with my daily mental performance and help supporting my long-term brain health as I age, I think Qualia is indispensable. I notice the difference in just days to my focus, my mood, my memory, and my willpower to get things done. I also love that the formula is non-GMO vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in each ingredient's effect on supporting mental clarity. If you're in your late 20s or older, Adding qualia senolytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. Go to neurohacker.com forward slash LEAF for up to 50% off qualia senolytic and as a listener of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, use the code LEAF at checkout for an extra 15% off your first purchase. That's neurohacker.com forward slash LEAF to try qualia senolytic with code LEAF and start aging on your terms. The link and details are in the show notes. So today we're going to talk about something I talk about in the book, how to help your child clean up their mental mess. And that is the concept of boundaries, which is spoken about all over. So I know you know what a boundary is. I know you've maybe overheard, the, you may maybe tired of hearing about boundaries. And you know, another way of, of, of verbalizing boundaries is seeing them as, you know, creating safe spaces for yourself. So, you know, a great way of looking at a boundary is seeing that as a way that you understand what makes you feel comfortable and you feel safe and being able to communicate that with others. Now, this begins right from our development as we are born and are born into a family and an environment. We are born into a community. It is developing right from there. So from the moment a child is born, they are tied to the environment it's not about you. It's about you in your environment. The environment impacts the child and the people within the environment are impacting the child. Children are born into a community and community shapes them and the same, by the same token, they impact their community. So there's this back and forth going on and this is great. Social interaction is a fundamental part of human existence as we know and therefore has a fundamental impact on the way we perceive ourselves. So our connection in community is a fundamental part of how we perceive ourselves and in the world and existing with other humans. So children's identity is very tightly closely tied to their community and the people in their community, their family, their friends, their siblings, their teachers, their uncles, aunts, grannies. They develop a sense of who they are in relation to who they are, to the people in the environment and in their community. And this allows for a huge potential for growth, healthy growth. And I know you know all of this. I'm just saying what, what the obvious is and I'm leading to a point. But you teaching your child how to have a healthy relationship at a young age leads to huge growth and is so important for their mental well-being. But there's also a huge potential for harm. As we know, people aren't always good and people aren't always going to have a good impact on your child and not everything that they experience is going to be a good thing. So therefore, this is where boundaries come in, is being able to help a child understand what is healthy and what's not healthy in relationship and being able to actually verbalize that and as best as possible from young to teach them that this is okay. You don't have to because that's an adult in your life tolerate and put up with behaviors that from them that impact you in a negative way and make you feel bad about yourself or uncomfortable about yourself in any way. And that goes for the small things that we sometimes unintentionally as a parent will do to the really big stuff like abuse in its various forms. So how do we help our children form a healthy connection with their community and their peers? So, and we, we do this through boundaries. So boundaries help to form healthy connection between peers and their community and everyone in their community it's both modeled in the relationship between you and your child. So you modeling by saying, you know, indicating your boundaries and when your child sees that you, that you kind of say, look, I need this space because of this, or you can't you know, dig in my bag or you can't talk to me when, you know, interrupt and jump in my face when I'm having a conversation with someone, you can't pull the phone away from me. You know, those are showing that, that, you know, there's certain boundaries. I mean, this is logical stuff that we know. So that's modeling. And all the time, the big key that that we've got to remember in these, process, in these modeling of how to manage our, our boundaries for our children is to do it with kindness and compassion. So it doesn't mean that you you know, you know give in to it. It just means that you do it with kindness and compassion. They're tugging at the phone and you're on the phone and they want your attention. You just say to the person on the phone, excuse me one moment, block the phone or put it on silent and just firmly say to your child, I'm on the phone now. Look at them. Eye contact. Listen to the empathy podcast I did last week. If you tune in, they'll feel heard and they'll stop the tugging. It will help. Maybe they won't stop immediately, but they'll feel heard. I hear you. I know that you want to get my attention, but I need to finish this phone call. So empathy leads to boundaries and boundaries are linked to empathy. Okay. So that's why these podcasts are really good to listen to all of them. Okay. So, and then you would get your child, let's go, go, you know, go and play with your puppy or go and draw a picture. Here's Brainy, go color in a picture for me. That find the picture in there, that's how you feel, something like that, that you can distract them, give them an alternative, and then you can carry on with your phone call, and then work, once your phone call's done, go and sort out whatever it is that was worrying them. Obviously, if it's an immediate urgency, you would deal with that. And then you put the boundary on the person on the phone call and say, look, I have to deal with this, it's urgent, I'll, get, I'll call you back. I mean, these are logical things, but it's how you conduct yourself in the process, it's with calmness, you can speak firmly, you can even speak a little louder, but it's that calm, it's to generate calmness and peace and not be reactive and angry and, and shouty and scary is to try. And that requires you as a parent to practice keeping you know, your facial expressions and how you handle yourself in a situation that's potentially reactive. The more you practice, the more you can control being reactive to children because you're going to have constant challenges from children like this. It's a reality. Those of you who are already parents know what I'm talking about. You're also also modelling boundaries with siblings, classmates, et cetera. So it's like if your child comes home, home from school and they say that little Johnny's forever stealing the lunch out their lunchbox or taking their food or, you know, pushing, using you know, pushing them over and taking things from their locker. And so there you you can tell the child that you don't have to put up with that, that you can go to your teacher and and tell your teacher that Johnny keeps taking your lunch. And you can, when Johnny tries to take your lunch, you can say, no, this is my lunch. And if you can't manage on your own, you have the right to go to the teacher and get help. And if the teacher's not listening or helping you, you have the right to tell me as a parent and I can go and talk to the teacher. You know, it's to give your child those steps and that permission And help and not sort of override the experiences. Now, if we are overarchingly creating an environment where a child feels safe to come and share these things with you, where they're not going to be told, oh, that doesn't matter, oh, you'll get over it, oh, it wasn't so bad, that kind of thing will, the child won't feel comfortable sharing with you. But if you deliberately and intentionally have this corner in your house or space in your house and create an environment where you are deliberately and intentionally listening to them and helping them, then this naturally is going to give them the kind of the the, the feeling that uh, they can talk to you about everything and anything from the teeny little things that aren 't huge but could become huge to the big stuff so the sooner you start this, the better it 's never too late however and it 's really when it comes to communicating with your children it 's to kind of practice with the little things too, not just the bad stuff you know talk about. You know, the good stuff and the happy stuff and, you know, the day-to-day stuff, you know, don't just sort of have, uh, don't create an interaction about a lot of different things so that when the big stuff does come, they feel comfortable also talking about that. Really emotionally connected versus emotionally distant and, and creating a safe space where we talk about all kinds of things in this environment at home. So just a definition of boundaries, just at this point, I'd like to just redefine boundaries for us. Boundaries are the set of rules that people create that identifies them as an individual. I mean, I, I love this definition. So it's a set of rules that a person creates, your child included, that identifies them as an individual. Like, for example, there's another part to this, but to give an example, maybe your child doesn't like being touched much. And now there's nothing wrong with that. Some kids They'll have lots of hugs and touches and others like a limited amount. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. You know, that obviously, if it's extreme, then you'll start looking at other, other factors as well, that there's maybe been an abuse or there's maybe something else going on. But in general, just, you know, around the norm. Some people, some kids are very touchy-feely and others aren't. And if you're a touchy-feely parent, but one of your kids is not and they prefer to have a little bit of, you know, they'll hug you when they're ready, then don't impose that on them. So that's them respect that little boundary. So that's just a simple example. And then the second part of that definition is so let me reread from the beginning. Boundaries are the sets of rules that people create that identifies them as an individual and and what they emotionally and physically like or dislike. So that relates to the hugging. I don't like the hugging or they maybe can't handle too much talking when they're very worked up. So they they are worked up, they may not really be ready to talk immediately and sort that out. They may need to just have some space alone. They may just want to go and draw a little bit on their own or go for a walk or do a little bit of breathing or just play with their toys and then come to you. Other kids, they they home from school, they're in this mess and they just want to talk immediately. So it's recognizing that difference. That's a boundary. And I mean, you do this probably instinctively, but that is recognizing and honoring, okay, when you're ready, I'm here to talk. And not saying, let's talk now. We must do this neurocycling now. We must sit on the bench now. We don't want to do that. We want to say, when you're ready, let's go sit in the neurocycle corner and we can talk about this. The reason I stress so much about having an area, it's also like a boundary in a way. Because we, if you think of it, you go to the gym. That's kind of like a boundary. It's a special space. It's a special time where you're doing something specific for your body when you're cooking, you're in the kitchen, it's in a specific space, so there's that boundary of a kitchen. When you go to your NeuroCycle corner, that's our specific area, uh, our space that we're creating for to work through stuff. So it's just to give you that concept. So in a way, when we teach ourselves and our children how to really grow our boundaries and define them, it's it's looking at their own limitations. It helps them to evaluate and stand back and observe and get to know themselves, and that's really important we don't want to helicopter parents and then, you know, like make those limitations for them and say you like this, you don't like this. We need to let the child find what they do and don't like, and what they're comfortable and uncomfortable with, and what helps them function at a better level, at a higher level, a more comfortable, and more peaceful level. So, we have to help them tune in and work that out, and that comes a lot from you modeling, like saying that I like this and. I thought about this and this is what makes me comfortable and this is what dad likes and this is what mom likes and so on. So it's really important that that they learn to define these limitations that they have with the people in their life and that makes them feel comfortable in their own environment. Like, you know, you may have one of your children that really doesn't like someone sitting on their bed and the other child doesn't mind, the other sibling doesn't mind if you jump all over their bed and climb in their bed and lie all over their bed. And you, you know you don't want to say to the child who is not who's more comfortable, with people not jumping all over their bed. Hey, just be relaxed. Let them jump all over your bed. He let you jump all over his bed, or whatever the case may be, whichever whichever way around it is. Then you you teach him to respect and say, okay, well, uh, little Johnny doesn't like you jumping in his bed. Susie doesn't mind if you jump on the bed. So that's just you, Susie needs you know Susie needs to respect. You can't jump on Johnny's bed. Johnny, you can jump on her bed because she doesn't mind that. And if Susie turns around and says, hey, but he jumps on my bed, I want to jump on his bed. You say, but he doesn't like that. You don't mind that. And that's teaching the boundary thing. So it's teaching them to understand their limitations and so on. So the ability to set and respect healthy boundaries can build and grow stronger connections with people. It really grows stronger connections. It's really drawing on our empathy. It's drawing people feel heard. They feel validated. They feel like you understand me. You know how it feels when someone really listens to you and looks at you and hears you and and understands something that you don't feel comfortable with. I mean, the other day someone said to, the word to me, you're waffling. Now, I do talk a lot and I can say a lot of stuff, but I don't believe I found the word waffling derogatory. So I put up a boundary and I said, I don't like the word waffling. It actually kind of upsets me and makes me, because what I said was really important. I agree. I could have said it more simplistically and I could have said it in less words, and that may, you know, i agree with that. So it's more just a situation of don't tell me I'm waffling, just say, can you say that in a shorter way? It was a simple boundary and it completely changed the, the 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 feeling that was building up inside of me towards this person. It was dissipated in a moment and it actually increased the bond and the connection with that person. Simple example. But that's what we want to teach our kids to do, to do as well. You know, sometimes a child may be biting another sibling or being aggressive with another sibling. And mom was talking to me about this recently and this suddenly started happening over a period of a couple of weeks, and it had become a pattern. So the mom was very concerned about the slightly aggressive behaviour of the older sibling to the younger sibling. So we did this whole thing of create a neurocycle corner and so on and start using the neurocycle. And what had happened there was a situation of once we'd worked through the issue, was that there was something going on at school that was then affecting the child and the child was taking it out on the sibling. And so the child needed to learn how to create a boundary with the person at school and the, the younger child needed to be allowed to create a boundary with the sibling saying that this is hurting me and then that drew on empathy connection communication etc so all the skills were drawn on but there's a lim- there's a there's a, a a point to the story of there being boundaries here as well where a child the child who is imposing the teasing on the or the uh, the, the hurtful behavior towards a sibling it's validating and recognizing look what you're doing is hurting look at the impact that's not a good thing to do but I also recognize that this is not who you are you're doing this because of something so let's stop that bad behavior let's recognize the impact on your sibling let's find an alternative way to get your energy out let's find out why you're doing this and let's help you develop a boundary that you can then tell this person at school whatever that entails Whether it entails talking to a teacher parent going to the school with the child whatever it entails every situation will be different Another thing about boundaries that's very important is that we as parents have to respect our children's space, time, privacy and emotions. So if a child is, parents often say this to me, I have this child who's just so easy and this child who's so aggressive and this child who's over emotional, be very careful of labeling and kind of putting them in boxes and getting that label kind of stuck so that every Behaviour that the child has is perceived through the lens of too sensitive, over-emotional, overly aggressive, because that can get a child stuck in that label and can exacerbate that behaviour, but it also distorts their perception of themselves and it distorts others' perceptions of the child. Mon podcast vous plaît? Thanks to Babel, I know what that means. Do you? Recently, I've been relearning how to speak French with Babel, and you can too. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking new languages in just three weeks. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I really love how convenient Babel's courses are. They have helped me learn real-life conversation skills. It's so easy to pick up on how to order food, ask for directions, and speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while on vacation, or look on helplessly knowing that you can't communicate. Using their unique voice recognition technology, not only am I relearning to speak French, but also pronounce the words correctly as well. Babel is truly different from other language programs. Their courses are designed by real people for real conversations, and all their tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So, if you want to learn a new language, try Babel today. Here's a special, limited-time deal for my listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babel subscription, but only for my listeners. At babel.com slash leaf. Get up to 55% off at babel.com slash leaf spelled B A B B E L dot com slash leaf. Rules and restrictions may apply. The link and details will be in the show notes. So instead of saying you are and repeatedly saying that, you can rather say, Hey, I notice that you seem to be a bit more angry and frustrated if they understand the word aggression. You could use that. And I know that's not who you are. So let's work out why you, you know, why you're reacting in this way, and see if there's a better way of doing it. And that takes you to the neurocycle corner, and you work through the five steps of the neurocycle, which I have broken down so simplistically in this book of exactly how to do this with your child. And you can use Brainy, and the younger the child, what's great about Brainy, and you can use Brainy with other toys, obviously as well, is that you can if a child doesn't want to talk about it in terms of. I did this. You could say, oh, I noticed Brainy's very angry today. He's kind of aggressive. He's kind of punching the toy and, and you know, making him punch another toy. And he's pushing that toy over and he seems upset. I wonder why he's being so aggressive because Brainy isn't normally aggressive. You know, so modeling that kind of behavior, then the child can then, you know, show me what's happening. And as you give the toys to the child and you've started the process, you then can start working through helping them to transfer what's going on in their mind, brain, and body from the experience, the impact of the experience onto the onto Brainy. And then as you get to the recheck phase of the neurocycle, which is step four, that's when you can work out an appropriate boundary to help to deal with the, the source of the problem, why they are reacting that way, and what could be a good boundary to set in place, which could be one of the elements that you're working on. So just coming back to the point, I want to emphasize a little bit more that we as parents respect our own children's space, time, privacy, and emotions even when they're really, really young, which can be especially hard. If we want our children to be able to set healthy boundaries with others, they should be able to practice by setting boundaries with the people they feel very safe, safe with. And that's why it's so important to practice tuning into your child and listening to what they feel and don't feel okay with. So maybe, as I said, the Johnny Susie jumping on the bed example, or maybe it is a situation of your child saying, don't look at my drawings. You know, don't read my diary. You shouldn't be digging through our kids' diaries and reading them unless a child brings it to you and wants to show you something. They need a space where they can pour out their emotions. So we should be careful of digging through their things and looking through their things. And some kids don't mind, but it's just respect. It's more like, do you mind if I you know, put your washing away? Do you mind if I tidy your toys? Can you help me tidy your toys? Do you want to show me your drawings that you did? Do not, oh, show me your drawing. Why won't you show me your drawing? What's wrong that you won't show me your drawing? respect their privacy and then say well, that's fine I, if you don't want to show me your drawing that's fine you can if you do want to show me i've always love to see it or if you want me to read it, or if you don't want me to read it but they need to know that they can leave their things in their room and you're not going to go in there and dig through stuff and read stuff because that is an invasion of privacy and you've crossed their boundary and they're going to be much more open and uh, and willing to share if they when they're ready, as opposed to you imposing what you've seen and maybe misinterpreting things, and you know that you've gone behind their back. That will make them feel insecure, and it will break their trust with other people. And this is hard because there are times where we obviously, as parents, have to you know discipline our children. This book, by the way, is for two two to three through ten year olds. You can use this one cleaning up a mental mess with older children. And I do have. Lots I also have an add-on coming into my neurocycle app a parent add-on so there'll be lots of scenarios from this book that you can then use to in the, in the actual audio in the neurocycle app to help you help your child manage their mental health. so there are certain times though that we do need to be you know enforced their will like they've got to clean their teeth twice a day and they can't hit their sibling and hurt them and you do have to get ready at a certain time to get in the car to go to school and you don't touch hot stoves and you know, but it's, and, and sometimes you have to react quickly and raise your voice if a child's reaching for a hot stove or if they're doing something. But it's so important that if you react quickly and loudly to enforce something that's a danger, that you do come back gently, hold them and explain what and why you've done that. That then is teaching them about boundaries, that this is something we can't do and this is the reason why. Not just, no, don't do it because I said that. That's not teaching a child anything except to be fearful and except to not completely get confused about what can I do and what can't I do, and then to constantly create this friction. I mean, it will lead to constant friction. So if you say, no, don't do that, it's dangerous. Get them out of the danger. Stop the pain or the hurting of the cyst or the biting or whatever, and then say, okay, let's talk about this. This is not good because of, and I know most of you are doing that, but it needs to be a consistent process. And that's where the neurocycle is fantastic, and the neurocycle corner for dealing with these things. All the time stressing, I know this is not you. This is how you're showing up because of something that's going on. Something's upset you. Let's find out why. That behavior is not acceptable, but this is, this is what we need to do. So even though young children may not fully con- grasp the big concept of boundaries, all these little things that you do and demonstrate with explanations and you know asking them, can I see your drawing versus just show me your drawing? Do you want to show me your drawing versus Show me your drawing. Normally, they're just going to come and show you your drawing. But if they're holding something back or they've got something that they don't want to show you, don't force them to show you. Those are the kinds of things that are modeling. It's okay to have your, your space. It's okay to have permission. Another example is, for example, you know, the whole sitting on Santa's lap, which we think as parents, oh, it's so cute. Get a photo with my child. But some kids are terrified of Santa, and forcing them to sit on that lap is invading their boundary, forcing them to laugh at the clown when you may think it's cute, but they may be terrified of that clown. You know, it's it's that's very important in respect, teaching a child to, you know, to respect a child's boundaries. So forcing a child to physically, for example, sit on Santa's lap and have a photo or sit in a group and have a photo, or force them to take a photo with maybe a person that they don't feel comfortable taking a photo with. Or at that moment, they don't want to do whatever it is, you know, kiss granny, kiss granny now, kiss granny now or something like that or wave goodbye and you know, to a certain extent, yes, they can wave goodbye and be polite and that kind of thing. But if it's forcing them to do something physically that they're not comfortable with, that you think is cute, respect that they're saying no. Don't say, oh, that's being silly. Say, okay, you scared of Santa? No problem. You don't have to sit on Santa's lap. We can do another pretty Christmas picture in another way. Because otherwise, it's a really big violation of space, a space boundary. And it kind of says, sends a message that an adult or someone who's bigger than you can actually force their will on you and invade your space, and maybe take away their self-respect to the point where, and and their identity, and not give them the courage to maybe speak up and say no when, at, when in a school or in another situation where people are starting to invade their space. So, res- respecting their space is huge. Respecting their private life, as I've said. It's also important to teach them with explanations, as I've said, so they can grasp the boundaries. Please don't not give explanations. Explanations are really important. Like I gave the example in the beginning, I can't speak now because I have to finish this call, but I'll talk later. Or you can't do this because of this, but we'll find another way. You know, give the explanations. Don't just say no, because I said so. That's not healthy. That's not teaching a child anything. It's not teaching them empathy or boundaries which are essential in self-development. Now, next week I'll have part two and next time I'm going to go into the detail of how do we actually set boundaries with our young children. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to go and pre-order at mentallyresilientkids.com. The link and details will be in the show notes and when you pre-order, don't forget you get this great brainy, cutest brainy and this coloring book as well. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you next time.